Elizabeth Green. It's Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, Election Day in the United States, and the polls in Maine are closed. I spoke with two guests tonight, Bobby Reynolds, a self-described political mercenary at Main Street Solutions, and former staffer to Susan Collins for almost eight years. Bobby Reynolds is also a U.S. Navy veteran and retired Union fireman. My second guest is Darnley Stewart. She's been on the show before. Darnley Stewart is a civil rights lawyer, community leader, and political activist from New York City. A third guest, Ben Gideon, was scheduled to be on the show. He's the husband of Sarah Gideon, the Democratic candidate in Maine's hotly contested race for U.S. Senate. But at the last minute, he bailed, saying he had to spend time with his family. Welcome, Bobby Reynolds. Thanks so much for joining Keep Up with Cynthia Dill. Well, thank you very much, Cynthia. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. First, could you please just describe what sort of work have you been doing on this campaign? Well, I'm I'm, uh, acting in that uh, dreaded role as a general campaign consultant to uh, Congressman Golden's 2020 race. Uh, In 2018, I uh, was his communications director. Uh, in that race and uh, uh, was pleased to do that. I actually worked with Jared when we were both on staff for Senator Collins. Uh, first met him way back then and uh, immediately became a fan uh, because of the, the measured way he went about his task while working on the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee staff. Uh, whilst we both are veterans, we share that in common. And uh, we both love Maine and uh, think uh, quite alike on a lot of the different uh, topics of the day. So you're a former, uh, so you're a former Susan Collins staffer working, I, working yeah. for Democrat Jared Golden. Who is your candidate of choice for U.S. Senate? Well, I've got a, I got to support Senator Collins, uh, you know, not speaking for his for Congressman Golden on this, on this behalf. Uh, but I worked for Senator Collins for nearly eight years um, in a number of different uh, capacities. I uh, was on her 2008 campaign staff, and then I was on her federal staff handling uh, military and homeland security uh, issues when she was on both the Senate Armed Services Committee and the Governmental Affairs Committee, the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. Uh, and then moved uh, on to running her, her offices in Augusta and became her political director, worked again in her 2014 race. Uh, not long after that race, I, I left to go into the dreaded private sector and uh, joined uh, Veral Dana and Main Street Solutions and do government relations work with, with that gang, do a lot of federal work, but, but uh, my heart is in campaign work. Uh, so I've done some stuff for uh, Senator King in his last election cycle is reelect and uh, also was kept on as an advisor to Congressman Golden during uh, during his first term. Uh, I ran the, uh, the opposition to question one back in March, the vaccine people's veto, which uh, we, we ran up to score uh, with an amazing amazing uh, 73% on the no side. So that was very gratifying. And then dove right back into this congressional race uh, as a consultant to Congressman Golden. So how is it, here how, we are, election night. Uh, it's 
what all of us political junkies live for, uh, and the polls are now closed, and we're just waiting for returns to come in. So it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Some people consider it heresy to be supportive of a Democrat, Jared Golden, at the same time supporting Senator Susan Collins. How is it that you justify supporting Republican Susan Collins and Democrat Jared Golden? Well, I've been a bit of a I've been a bit of a maverick in that regard. Anyway, I'm, I'm a Jewish guy with an Irish surname, uh, lifelong Republican. Up until a couple of years ago, I withdrew from the party and I'm on enroll now. Uh, I was a I was a labor leader. I was a professional fireman for 20 years, and I was a I was an offer and actually rose to the rank of president of a big firefighters union. And uh, that's where I first met Susan Collins back in 1994 when she was running for governor. Uh, I was on the legislative committee for the union then. We interviewed her. Uh, she wasn't successful. We met her again in 96. Uh, she became a United States senator. And she went on to be uh, a huge advocate of first responders. Uh, we endorsed her in 2002 uh, in her race against uh, Shelley Pingree. And then, uh, again, the Firefighters Union, the International Association of Firefighters, endorsed her in 08, and they've continued to stand by her side. I retired uh, and went back to school with the intention of being a lawyer, uh, and uh, the senator offered me a job, and I took it and uh, worked for her for seven and a half years or so. So my my relationship with her goes back uh to when she ran for governor. So I've known her for a long time. I've always respected the way she's gone about things. Uh, I'm not serving in any capacity in her race now. So just as a private citizen, you know, I'm going to support my old boss. I think she's a great senator. What do you see? What do you see that's... But when it comes to Jared Golden, uh, you know, I I was a lifelong Republican, left left the party a couple of years ago. But Jared is that unique old-style Democrat that I grew up around that all my family were. They were, you know, pro-labor, pro-American, pro-military, uh, just sensible, common-sense, you know, reasonable folks. And, and Jared is epitomizes that. So you've been around the block for several election cycles. What's different about this year? What What are you finding you know, working for Jared Golden, supporting Susan Collins, and being out there on the ground in Maine. What's different this year? Well, obviously, the the level of vitriol in the body politic, I think, is 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 unprecedented. Certainly, in our, any of our lifetimes, uh, the the stark divide uh, that that is, is poised to just rend the fabric of our country to smithereens here is is really concerning uh there just doesn't seem to be a room for any kind of of compromise or uh conciliatory work uh, uh, moderates such as susan collins once were revered uh now uh not so much anymore do you uh, the think ground has do, really you, shifted there do you and, think that uh do you think that susan collins should have come clean with maine voters about who she was voting for for president or does that not matter in your view i don't know you know that would be a question she could answer uh, no but i mean what do you think do you think it really matters like i don't think it really matters but you know I, obviously I the gideon so. campaign think so. thinks it may matters but know, i don't think it does you know that's just another gotcha thing and and 
you know, the thing that's been enjoyable working for Congressman Golden is uh, he just seems to be immune uh, to the gotcha politics because he doesn't participate in it, I guess. Uh, you know, he's run in this election cycle, despite the fact 2018 was, was quite bitter and was a ranked choice voting decision, and some folks still haven't gotten over that. Uh, he has conducted himself with a great deal of grace and confidence, and he's a humble guy. Uh, the, the, the TV commercials we ran during this, this election cycle, uh, in contrast to almost everything else you saw on TV, ours were upbeat and positive and a little bit of humor thrown in there and just captured him perfectly, uh, him as a person. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody like Jared Golden gives me great hope for our country, uh, because he comes from this, what I, I say is, you know, the, the new greatest generation. It came of age, uh, Jared was 18 years old, a freshman in college, when the attacks of 9-11 occurred. He was at Humane Farmington with the intention of being a social studies teacher. He graduated from Levitt High School. He grew up in Leeds, wanted to come back and teach in the Levitt uh, area. Uh, but the attacks happened, and he decided to join the Marine Corps. Well, I met yeah. Jared. I met Jared Goldwyn. He was working for Senator Collins because I was researching the broadband bill that I that I was interested in expanding broadband when there was a stimulus bill. So it was interesting to me to 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 work with Jared Golden as a staffer for Collins, and then to see him go on to the main house. But I'm curious, what do you think? So so Jared Golden won as a result of ranked choice voting, and now. Ranked choice voting might be the determining factor in the U.S. Senate race. So that means really that the supporters of Max Lynn or Lisa Savage could decide this hugely important race. Does that change your view about ranked choice voting? Like, were you for it and now you're against it, or you were for it and now you're was, still for was, it? Or what are your what are your was, feelings I was about that? Fairly agnostic about ranked choice voting. I think what we've seen is is. Um, the the promises that were made uh, about what ranked choice voting would deliver, namely that it would it would lower the vitriol, that it would uh, take money out of politics, and it would lead to uh, a whole uh, infusion of really quality third party candidates. Just none of that has come true. Uh, it's it's it's. <laughs> The heat is as hot as ever in politics. Uh, what, what what got spent in the Senate race? You know, it was going to be nearly two hundred million dollars in Maine uh, when it's all said and done. And and still, not, this is not to disparage the the third party candidates, but none of them are really are, are really competitive in a way that could win the race. Uh, so I think in that regard, it it's failure. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think, and, and folks may disagree with me, I don't think it really makes a difference ultimately in who will win a race. I contend and will always contend that Jared would have won his race in 2018 if it was just a plurality election, traditional plurality election. I believe that the folks that voted for the uh, third-party candidates first and then selected Jared in uh, subsequent rounds would have changed their voting behavior uh, if it was a simple plurality election, or in fact, they may have not even been in the race. Uh, so ultimately, I think 
that ranked choice voting uh, really doesn't make a difference one way or the other. It probably isn't worth the confusion that it causes. Certainly the Republican Party, they're like a dog with a bone. They won't give up about it. Uh, instead of just uh, conceding to the fact that that's the rules we play by right now and and, and, and trying to win the election. So where are, where are you right now? What can you tell us about tonight's race? It's, it's according to my clock, it's 845 on election night. We still don't know the outcome of, of the race. What do you know? Well, uh, well, we got several races, right? We got this presidential race. Right. Uh, we know this. We know that this is going to be, it looks to be an unprecedented turnout in Maine. Uh, I, I, we got an update. I, I think we're north of uh, 510,000 absentee ballots that were returned. Uh, that's near, That's half the registered electorate right there. It appears that turnout has been brisk to heavy across the state. We're probably going to exceed 800,000 folks voting uh, a turnout of somewhere around 80%. That's unprecedented. That's good news. That's good news. The more people that participate in the electoral process, the better. Uh, you, you get a better outcome, in in my estimation. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it, it looks like Trump is going gonna, is gonna to be competitive in the second district, but it's going to be close. He's going to lose badly in the first district, so it's almost assured that Joe Biden will get at least three electoral college votes out of Maine, maybe a fourth one that may go to ranked choice voting. Uh, my guess is we won't know who is going to win the U.S. Senate race tonight. Uh, neither candidate will crack 50 percent uh, statewide uh, and will go to subsequent instant runoff rounds, which that'll take a few days. As you know, the secretary of state has to go gather up all of the ballots and the hard drives off the machine counts then come back to Augusta and collate all that stuff. So we may not know till Friday or Saturday. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think unless Senator Collins is uh, somewhere 48% or above that it plays to her favor. But then again, voters could, uh, could, could show us something completely different tonight. Uh, the two congressional races, I think, are nearly foregone conclusions. Shelley Pingree uh, will will have such a lead coming off the peninsula of Portland that it's insurmountable. Uh, she's running against a guy who had no money. They, neither of them ran a television ad down there. Uh, the second district race, which was supposed to be competitive and one of the seats that Democrat, uh, Republicans nationally thought that they could win back, Trump won the district by 10 points in 2016 jared golden voted to uh impeach trump on one of the articles of impeachment he voted against the other one as you probably know yes uh so it you know uh, all of the pundits six months ago were saying you know jared golden's probably in big trouble here uh it looks like if if all the research holds true that that congressman golden should be reelected. Uh, uh, all of uh, Dale Kraft's air support left the state uh, with four weeks to go in the race because the polling was so lopsided. So he he was outspent significantly on TV, uh, and uh, Jared having the 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 power of incumbency put him at an advantage. But again, we we don't know what, what does this big turnout mean. Does this mean there was this hidden? 
Trump surge. We don't know. So do you think um, do you think that the Amy Coney Barrett vote taken by Senator Collins, the only Republican to vote against her confirmation to the United States Supreme Court, do you think that ultimately hurt her or helped her in the long run? I don't. I I think it's probably negligible. I will say this, knowing the senator, she did. People will say she made a political calculation. I don't think she did. I think it's where she is. She thought it was too proximate to the to the election. Uh, with the Merrick Garland case, that was I think more than nine months out from the election. She said at that time that Merrick Garland should get a hearing. Uh, she disagreed with Mitch McConnell on that. Nine months out, still plenty of time before an election. But but uh, appointing a Supreme Court uh, nominee a week out from an election was just too close. And I think Senator. Collins and Senator King were, were right about that, uh, and I don't think it was a political calculation. Will it hurt or help her? I think it's negligible. I believe that uh, uh, that uh, if if the base was going to be shaken by that, it was. There's a bunch of other things they could have. <laughs> they probably could have been annoyed with her about, uh, you know, because she is a centrist. She does break with the par- with the party dogma on many occasions uh she of of the republicans in the senate she votes with donald trump the least often uh so so if she loses if senator collins loses after having won four you know elections and last time almost garnering 70 percent of the vote if she loses what do you attribute her loss to her votes on the 2017 tax cut bill and her vote to confirm Brett Kavanaugh, or do you think it's just the fact that she's caught up in the Trump situation? Yeah, I think she's. I think she's collateral damage to a to a dramatically changing political landscape. Um, Senator Collins, uh, as you know, was a staffer in D.C. for twelve years. She worked for Bill Cohen. Uh, she knows the Senate traditions very well. She shaped her uh, career in the Senate with with great deference to the traditions of the Senate. Uh, you got to remember that it, this is a recent phenomenon where Supreme Court nominees have become so divisive. Antonin Scalia, who, if you ask Democrats right now what they thought of Antonin Scalia, they would paint a picture of a guy who's you know this horrible right wing, you know Neanderthal. He was confirmed ninety eight to nothing by the United States. Senate. Uh, the senator looks traditionally at what the advise and consent role of the Senate was. It's not another election. The, she gives great deference to the executive. They get to nominate uh, members to the cabinet, members to the, to, the, to the judicial branch. And the role of the Senate traditionally has been to just make sure that the nominee has the qualifications to perform the task. They don't have that. It was never they had to meet an ideological standard or it was a partisan vote. Uh, That's changed. But she still believes in the way the Senate was supposed to supposed to perform their tasks. Uh, When it comes to tax cuts, the senator truly believes that uh, uh, if you lower tax rates on businesses, uh, and on individuals that that will spur the economy. Uh, she, I think she, that's in her DNA. Uh, and you got to remember, I think that tax cut provided a break to 90% of main, main filers. 
interestingly enough, I represented some groups that were opposed to the tax cut and did some consulting for them. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not making, uh, I'm not, not, not one of the, the uh, main cheerleaders on that, on that issue. But uh, I, I just think that it, it's more, she's, if indeed it, it doesn't go right for her, first of all, I think that'll be, and this is nothing against Sarah Gideon or any of the other members of the delegation. I think, Maine will will uh, will have a lower profile in D.C. if we don't have Susan Collins down there. Again, I'm no, not disparaging anyone. Obviously, she's she'd be going into her fifth term, possibly uh, be uh, chair or ranking on appropriations. That's very powerful. Be very good for the state. So we'd miss out on that. But it, it just is a shifting political landscape that that may gobble up more than more than one person. Um, and, and, so, uh, so final, final, final words from you. If um, you've been around the block now for several elections in many capacities, working across the you know the political spectrum for various candidates, what is it about this election, if anything, that somebody should be hopeful about? Like everybody's pretty depressed. At least that's what the newspapers report. Is there anything that you're hopeful about? I, I, th- I think you got to be. You got to you got to look at what the turnout. It, it it looks like we're going to have record turnout across the country, and I don't know what that means uh, as far as the results are concerned. But I think you got to say that's good. We've we've always uh, you know we get sixty percent turnout and we think that's great, but really that's kind of abysmal. If we're going to have a turnout across this country of eighty percent of registered voters, I think that's good for our republic. Uh, so I think that's the one positive thing I would I would say. Um, well, Bobby Reynolds, uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'd love to do it again sometime. Take care. All right. So joining me now is Darnley Stewart from New York City. Welcome to the program, Darnley. Hey, Cynthia. So tell listeners first, where are you? I'm sitting in my apartment in New York City. And what's the mood like? <laughs> More stressed than I thought it would be. I was, um, I have to say, cautiously, but not even cautiously, I was very optimistic. And I guess we sort of knew the early returns would not be um, overwhelmingly favorable for the Democratic side. But um, I'm disappointed so far in Biden vis-a-vis HRC four years ago, honestly. Well, what specifically are you referring to for people who are Dade, Dade County. Oh, what do you know? Well, it well uh, Dade County is going more for Trump than um, Dade County went for Trump in 2016. So, and the Latin vote is going more for Trump than did in um, than it did in 2016. And I guess that makes sense because of the more the the thrust. Uh, this time, in terms of the notion, the hilarious notion that somehow Biden will bring in a, social, a socialist country. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't right. think that was what the concern was in 2016. And the Trump campaign has um, applied that very successfully this time in, in terms of um, the Cuban vote in southern Florida. It's, I guess it's effective. So, Donna, you you've been on the show a couple times. The first time 
it was Manhattan. We were talking about Elizabeth Warren. It was pre-COVID, and everything was good. And then I talked to you when you were the manager of your building during the lockdown for COVID, and now here we are in the elections, and you're in the in New York City. What was it like to vote, and how are you feeling just in terms of being in the city? Well, I am amazed going from... Let's see. Uh, when you and I talked, it might have been, was it in March? I don't know when the yes. first time, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, as most people in the country know, it was really intense here in the city. And I think we had a, an infection rate of over 20%, maybe 22.7%, something like that. And now in New York, even to, it's gone up a little bit, but in Manhattan, it's 1.57. So we've been pretty much at a 1% infection rate for a few months now. So um, doctors will tell you in New York City, I have a woman in my building who's very conservative and people have been very careful in the city. And she said, her doctor said, it would be really hard to get COVID right now in Manhattan. I mean, if you would really, it would be very difficult because for all these months, we've been very um conservative wearing mat I, I wear a mask every time I leave this apartment I wear a mask and um, we keep our distance and we don't do crazy things like go to a bar and and we I've got restaurants I've gone to um, friends uh, homes for outdoor um, socializing I've had people over to my place we have a patio outdoors and but we've been pretty smart about all of this and it turns out um, with the, those kinds of even conservative um, measures um, while going out to restaurants etc um, we've kept the the rate pretty close to one and uh, uh, that's better <laughs> it's a lot better than where we were so it shows <laughs> the way we've handled this pandemic shows that if you take reasonable measures, you can have a normal life and not get sick and die. So what was voting like? And is there any signs of any violence or up, you know, upheaval around no. the election in well, New York city? Frankly, I mean, this whole thing about it being a ghost town, I, I have said to people, I would love Donald Trump to come be stuck in traffic on a Friday night for two hours in New York city just so he can see what a ghost town it is. It's not a ghost town. It's New York city. It's not, you know, it's it there's no there's no we've been going out there's lots of outdoor dining there's the only thing that's different from pre-pandemic is no uh, organized sports here and no uh, theater and uh, museums are back restaurants are back uh it's really very close to the new york we knew before the pandemic how are you feeling about the race i mean how what's what's now, the mood yeah I, like I, what's I, the I, mood i mean honestly four years ago I'll have, i have to admit i was not my dad it's a it's a particular issue but my my dad um it's and it's too long a story to explain but my dad was in uh, emergency icu in a university hospital in frankfurt germany the, uh, on this night four years ago and he was intubated he had the he had the flu and the pneumonia and abscesses on his lungs and he was very very close to dying and he was unconscious and my, i said to my mother at the time what if daddy wakes up and we have to tell him that donald trump is a president and she said oh i don't think that's going to happen and we were in a foreign country 
and I didn't have to go through what I'm going through tonight because I just went, we were very focused on what was going on with my dad, who's fine now, by the way, but we were very focused on him and we woke up in the morning and I just couldn't believe what had happened. And we did eventually have to tell my dad when he um, came to and was okay, we had to tell him what happened. And the first thing he said was, how did that happen? So um, I feel like I'm going through it now in real time that I didn't have to do four years ago. Some of what we discussed in earlier conversations was Mike Bloomberg, because of course, you know, he, you were in New York and he was, the mayor of New York, and he, of course, has invested so much money in the Florida races and in the Democratic presidential race in general. Um, are you? What, what's your opinion about Mike Bloomberg's efforts for Democrats well, this time? Well, no, listen, I, I have always, having, as I said when we spoke before, he was my only Republican vote of my life. Um, as mayor of New York, and he was a terrific mayor. Um, I thought it was a little weird that he got so much time at the convention. I thought that was a symptom of democratic politics in general, I guess. Um, And I expected him to invest heavily in exchange for that time. Um, And I knew that he had invested heavily in the the 2018 um, congressional uh, and uh, races and was very instrumental in making that happen for us. So that was good. And my understanding is he invested. It it didn't seem as early and as conspicuously as I expected, but um, I guess he has invested heavily uh, in getting this done. Um, So, I mean, I can't complain. (laughs) So here in Maine, here in Maine, the U S Senate race is huge. And a lot of, supporters of Sarah Gideon, the Democrat, believe that supporting her, not only because she's a great candidate, because, but also because Chuck Schumer could then be the majority leader in the U.S. Senate. Do you, as a New Yorker, are you, have you been supporting other candidates around the country so that I Chuck have, Schumer can be the majority leader? Right. I have. Um, yes. I mean, I, it looks like Tillis will lose. I mean, I think I've been expecting Kelly to win, uh, Tillis to lose, and I don't know about Maine, but I feel like, honestly, I thought that Ossoff might win over Purdue, and it looks like that's probably not going to happen, which is disappointing in Georgia. Um, but I think it looks like if we win this presidential race, we only need three. And if that can be Kelly and North Carolina and, I don't know, we just need one more. Who am I thinking of? Who else do we have? Cynthia, you should know, politician. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I feel like there's a there's a pretty good road to three if and, and we win this race. And I do feel as depressed as I am about Dade County, it looks like, we're doing better over four years ago in North Carolina, Ohio, um, and other places. So we'll see. So Darnley, it's early, uh, well, relatively speaking. And um, what, what, waking up tomorrow, what's what's your best case scenario when you wake up tomorrow? That there's a decision or that oh, well, Biden's of ahead? course I was, I guess it was a pipe dream, but I was hoping we would have won Georgia or 
uh, Florida. So then I probably wouldn't have to worry about the rest, you know, the rest belt. Um, I think, I still think we're going to win. I still think the Democrats are going to win, but, uh, I do think we'll win Wisconsin, Minnesota. Um, I, Ohio seems not that easy. Um, and I guess, I, I guess the voting in Philadelphia was not as great as we thought it was going to be same day today. So Philadelphia, um, Pennsylvania could be tough. I don't know. The whole thing. I thought this would be, honestly, I thought this would be a lot easier than four years ago, and it doesn't seem like it is, and it surprises me. I couldn't help but notice, Darlie, that you seem to have become a cat lady. Um, is this is this <laughs> a was, symptom? Is a this lady. a symptom of Trumpitis, or is this you know, and the worst you're ever, or is this something new? I mean, it. <laughs> Last word. Why Trump, are you a cat uh, lady? Trump, oh my god, a, a cat lady. Um, uh, my family always had cats, um, and we had two cats. One who uh, my wife and I had two cats for years and years, one who passed last year and one who just passed in September. So we do have two new little creatures in our apartment, which has made it easier as we face another potentially six months at least of uh, lockdown or, um, you know, at, at least restrictive movement in, our, in New York City and, and during this pandemic. So, darling, if you look out, and we're going to end soon, but, like, if you were to, like, throw the sash open of your apartment window and look out onto the streets of Manhattan. Is it quiet? Like what's the scene in New York city? Is it, are people in their houses? I live on the upper West side of Manhattan. It is totally quiet. It is quiet with expectation. This is, we are in Liberalville here and uh, I'm sure everyone is with me staring at the TV maybe with a glass of wine in hand or whatever, um, trying to calmly get through the next few hours and the next few days and figure out what's going to happen in this country. So, um, yeah, there's nothing. I, I, they have boarded up Macy's, boarded up most of the um, stores in Midtown uh, in anticipation of potential problems. But honestly, even if Trump wins, I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. Well, Darlene Stewart, thanks so much again for joining Keep Up with Cynthia Dill. I really appreciate it. Okay, Cynthia. All right, take let's, care. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed, my friend. Fingers crossed. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.